What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Rad Rides Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Zollers. Today's episode is going to be a wrap-up of Season 2. So, you are going to get me and only me. It's going to be the very first solo episode I have ever done. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you are too. But I really wanted to make this more like a magazine where you get a beginning and an end. And I figured the end of Season 2 is around Christmas time. So I figured I would end it now and go through a few things. And uh, I got a lot to talk about today. I'm going to make it pretty quick. I think a lot of guys are, are liking some of the shorter episodes. So uh, I am going to make this relatively quick. But uh, first off, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we have uh, really grown this podcast uh, extremely uh extremely large. I've gone from uh, hundreds now to thousands of listeners and downloads for every episode. Uh, I really appreciate everybody who has come on, especially in these early ones, seeing as I am just some guy who just showed up and said, hey, do you want to do a podcast without really uh, any large credentials? So I really want to appreciate everybody. We're going to talk a little bit about everybody who was in season two, uh, but I really wanted to start off with that. Uh, I will have to say uh, I am changing uh, podcasting host, which is uh, really large for the podcast. Uh, I was with Shout Engine. Uh, they had some, uh, you know, analytics weren't great, but it was a great way to really break into uh, the podcasting world. They have a very good platform for beginners like myself. So uh, now I'm really stepping back up into uh, Captivate now. Uh, like I said, they have better analytics. I'm going to be able to embed the player, going to have some quicker uploads. You're going to get better audio quality. In fact, this is going to be the first episode that is going to be uploaded with them and hosted by them. And uh, I really hope to, uh, to continue to grow this. You know, uh, I, I don't want to ever be someone as large as uh, you know, some of these guys like Joe Rogan because this is not my job. I do have a regular job that I uh, thoroughly enjoy. This is really just a hobby for me. But uh, as it continues to grow, hey, you, know, you never know what will happen down the, uh, down the line. So, but please, uh, for uh, all the episodes, please go on there and rate and review it because really that's what pushes... Uh, this thing to the top and it really gets uh, some more listeners and uh, really gets some more eyes on me as well as on the podcast so I can get some uh, some guys from outside the Pennsylvania and Texas area although these are those are the two uh, my two favorite places so uh, again I really appreciate everybody listening uh, I, I never thought it would get to the thousands of downloads um, but we're here now so uh, you know I, again I really appreciate it so let me start off uh, with the F1 ending. So, you know, the last podcast you heard, Boji and I called that last lap. We were so hyped up. It's exactly what everybody wanted to see. We wanted to see Lewis and Max go head to head. And uh, we really didn't set it up too well. I really just wanted to push it out and see if everybody liked that short format like it. And uh, to be honest, everybody did. Got some really good downloads on it. So uh, let's set up this uh, F1 ending here. If you're a big F1 fan, uh, you're really going to, uh, I hope, enjoy this. If you're not, you should enjoy this because it was the uh, most dramatic year uh, that you've ever seen in F1. So let's start off by uh, setting the table for this last race here. So the entire season we saw wins by Lewis and Max in every single race except for four. Uh, you had Sergio Perez win one. You had Esteban Ocon win one. Uh, Valtteri Botas, who is my wife's favorite driver, and Daniel Ricciardo win one as well. Every other race was won by Lewis or Max. So you got the two best guys going head-to-head. So the final race, they go in tied with each other. Uh, there were some grumblings of suspensions if either one tried to wreck each other. So going in, Max did have the, uh, did have the edge because he had won more uh, races throughout the entire year. So if he really just wanted to wreck Lewis, they both would have wrecked. 
they would have gone out and Max would have been the champion. So there was definitely some grumblings of that. So we didn't want that to happen. In qualifying, Max got first, Lewis got second. So we started the race just like that. However, when we started it, Lewis took off. I mean, just absolutely took off and uh, snagged that first place spot. If you watch F1 a lot, you know that the guy in the clean air, especially with these, these cars now, always has the advantage. So by lap two, Max dives into him hard because he really wanted to, really wanted to, uh, to pass him up because he had some, uh, some better tires, some softer tires out there. Uh, he dove into him and pushed Lewis wide. Uh, however, he stayed. Uh, Lewis continued to stay ahead, and it looked uh, a little weird because he had to dive out and cut the course. And uh, some people were uh, very upset that he didn't get any kind of penalty or didn't get pushed back behind Max. But hey, driving's driving. So Lewis kind of drives away throughout uh, the middle of the race. Uh, he changes on to hard tires around lap number 15, which is which we'll come back to that. Uh, but. Uh, he had to cover off Max because Max had changed on to uh, hard tires as well on lap 14. And uh, again, Lewis kind of drove away with a 10 to 12 second lead, which is absolutely massive in Formula One if you watch it. So again, we go through the middle of the race. It's a little boring. However, on lap 52, six laps from the, from the end, uh, we had Nicholas Satifi who caused the yellow. So what happened was is he spun around, caused the yellow. Uh, you know, you had to get behind the safety car. So the problem is in F1, if you're in first place, you're a sitting duck during a safety car. And with six laps left, um, you know, if Lewis goes into the pits, um, Max had the chance to stay out and potentially win, uh, win the race because the, uh, the way they were cleaning it up, uh, it didn't look like the safety car was going to dive back in and we were going to finish under yellow, which nobody likes. But uh, that's, that's where it kind of gets a little nutty. So Max comes in for soft tires. Lewis stays out. Again, Lewis had been out and not changed tires since around lap number 15. So the safety car is looking like it's going to go to the end of the race. It looks like, uh, you know, the Mercedes team gambled to keep him out there. It looked great. Um, again, Lewis couldn't pit because he was, he was in fear of finishing under yellow. So everything looks good for Lewis to win the race, win the championship, and go on. Red Bull, uh, not very happy with, with what's going on. However, and again, this is where it got a little crazy. The steward stepped in and uh, said the safety car was going to end with one lap to go. Which, if you're Lewis Hamilton, that's okay. Because at the time uh, when Max came into the pits, there was five cars that stayed out uh, to stay uh, you know, between Max and Lewis. And uh, they, really, uh, they were all lapped cars, right? So really had no skin in the game. However, if you're only going to run one lap at the end of the race and you have five cars between the first place guy and the second place guy, you can almost guarantee, especially in Formula One, that first place guy is going to finish like that. So with about a quarter lap to go, the race director waves all five of those cars around, which is absolutely crazy because it was pure chaos at that point. And that was lap number 57. So again, one lap to go. Max is behind Lewis on brand new, fresh, soft tires. Lewis has had the same hard tires on since lap number 15, and you're going to see a one-lap duel. So, and you heard from the last podcast how it, how it kind of played out. Uh, Max passes him on the first corner. Uh, Lewis tries to come back, couldn't finish it. La Max wins the race, and he wins the championship. So, and this is where everything gets a little weird. Um, Mercedes filed a protest 
that the safety car, sh we should have ended under a safety car, or that those lap cars should have stayed out there. I'm not going to read you the, uh, the, the whole entire protest on everything. You can get online and check that out yourself. But essentially, the stewards came out and said, we, over we, uh, we overrode everything, um, and this is just the way this is going to end. Which leads a couple people to believe that uh, the FIA was in favor of Max winning, and there's a lot of speculation that they didn't want to see Lewis win again. We needed some new blood to win, and uh, therefore creating a rivalry, which we kind of did. So, I mean, for me, I'm going to go through my kind of my final thoughts. But really, my first final thought on this whole deal is the fans got cheated out of this whole deal, right? So, you know, if you listen to uh, before we got on the podcast, as soon as that uh, Latifi had gotten into that wreck, I said, man, they need to red flag the race. So what happens during a red flag? You can come in, you can change tires, they stop the race, and really we could have restarted this whole race with four laps to go. Again, you would have allowed tire changes, you would have allowed the, the wave arounds, you would have had Lewis and Max mano a mano for four laps on the same tires to, to basically run out the championship. It would have been a nice three to four lap shootout. DRS would have been open, which is a drag reduction system. If you watch F1, you know what that is. And this would have ended in just a pure mano a mano three, four lap shootout, and we would have gotten a champion from that last race. Instead, it ended in chaos, and I feel like, again, we got a little bit cheated by the whole deal. So, I mean, 2022 is going to be awesome. Uh, if you look back on this race, I think there's going to be two big points. Uh, one is the fault of Mercedes. So, as good as Mercedes was all year long with all of their strategy and their smart guys that have been outsmarting everybody on the racetrack, uh, they really didn't do a good job. They really botched this race. Uh, they had a virtual safety car around the 35-ish lap mark. Mercedes had the chance to change tires. In fact, they even came onto the radio and asked Lewis if he wanted to go back on hards or if he wanted to go on some softer tires. Uh, instead, they decided to gamble, and uh, it really didn't pay off. You know, again, you're a, uh, the leader is always a sitting duck under a yellow flag, especially at the end of the race, and it was really the place they really didn't want to be. So... I mean, really, I'm going to put that on Mercedes. I'm really going to put that on Total Wolf and the strategist for that whole deal. So, But my final thoughts on the whole F1 season, well, Max is champ. He did. It's, he won it. He won it fair and square. Uh, he won more races. He had more poles than Lewis Hamilton. He really did outrace him this year. Here's what I don't want to hear from Red Bull anymore. And again, I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan. Boji probably would think the same way, but I think he would have the same exact thoughts but I don't ever want to hear that Max has ever gotten cheated out of a call from the FIA any longer. He really got handed this one on a silver platter. And I really am tired of hearing Christian Horner, who is his team boss, uh, complain about Max and not getting the calls go his way. I would never want to hear that again. Guy, Horner, your dude is driving like a, a NASCAR wrecking ball out there. And yes, he gets some pretty harsh penalties because he does some pretty harsh moves on people. So... Again, I don't want to hear it anymore. For all you Red Bull fans, uh, you can at me on uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but I, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like The guy got handed a championship on a silver platter. Second, he needs to be sending Nicholas Latifi a freaking Christmas present every single year. I mean, if it wasn't for that yellow, Lewis would have drove away. He would have won with a 10, 12 second lead. Lewis would have been champion again. 
So second, uh, rules need to change. Uh, we definitely need to see something very similar to NASCAR. So NASCAR never ends on a yellow. They always go green, white checker at the end of a race. If the race looks like it's gonna end in a yellow flag, we need something like that, man. Uh, come on, F1. We wanna see guys go at it. We don't wanna see this thing end in some controversy under a safety car in pure chaos at the end of the race. Let's get some good rules in there. Green, white checker. Give them two, three laps. Let's finish the race. Let's see who, who actually won the race. Second, stop with the chaos out there, man. Like, give some better communication to these drivers. If you go back and watch that race, especially even the race before that too, there's pure chaos between uh, the FIA, the stewards, and these teams right here. Get some better communication. You guys are on the le leading edge of this whole deal. Come on, man. Let, let's make this right. So, uh, third, you know, Lewis, hey man, you bowed out gracefully. He said, you know, uh, he raced hard. He did not want to see uh, this thing go to the stewards. He did not want this to be uh, protested. He said Max is the champion. He bowed out gracefully. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people really have a lot more respect for Lewis Hamilton after that. Just reading the comments, uh, you know, on the F1 um, website and the F1 Instagram, I think a lot of people understand now that uh, Lewis Hamilton really wanted to see this thing end in a, uh, a hard-fought battle. And then to, uh, 2022, last but not least, you get a new car. We're going to get a new rivalry. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, a lot of teams are, are swapping around. Mercedes is is now getting some a young gun in there. Valtteri Botas is out. Uh, George Russell, I'm a big fan of his. I can't wait to see him and Lewis go at it. And I can't wait to see uh, Checo and Max go at Merck as well. So I, I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too. That, that's kind of my final thoughts on F1. Um, again, if you're not watching it, uh, Drive to Survive will be out right before the season, which will recap this season. It's very well put together on Netflix. Uh, it really gets you fired up for the season. You can see all the drama and all the money and everything that goes in with this. So uh, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's awesome. Um, it's NASCAR on steroids. It really is. And really a lot of the, um, a lot of the technology that comes out uh, in F1 usually gets trickled down to your cars. So you'll start seeing some things like the hybrid technologies that they have uh, trickle down into the, into the vehicle. So uh, you get a little foreshadowing of uh, what the future kind of holds, which brings me to the next topic uh, that I really wanted to talk about was electrification. So electric vehicles, and we spoke a lot on the podcast, and I asked, uh, I asked a lot of questions to a lot of these guys, especially with the older cars. You know, how do you feel about uh, electric vehicles and the way they're going and everything? And uh, actually, I had uh, put out a couple of things on Instagram. If you're not on there, uh, go follow me, at uh, Rad Rides Podcast. I put something up there that showed the uh, Motor Trend Car of the Year and the Motor Trend Truck of the Year, which to me is a little slimy. Um, I'm not really a conspiracy theory guy, but I'm going to get a little conspiracy theory at the end of this whole rant right here. Um, so uh, we'll just start with, first off, the Motor Trend Car of the Year. It was the Lucid Air. If you've never heard of the Lucid Air, there's a reason why you've never heard of a Lucid Air. It's not a very well-known vehicle. Uh, if you're a uh, trader, you um, know that on the stock market, Lucid has gone up and down and all around and based on speculation. However, for a company that has uh, really only put out 577 cars, Motor Trend decided they were going to give their full electric version of the Lucid Air 
the Motor Trend Car of the Year, which is a little strange. So uh, what they did is they, uh, they picked the Grand Touring. It's an all-wheel drive vehicle, 800 horsepower, 885 foot-pounds of torque, all electric, 0 to 60 in 3 seconds, 10.8 in the quarter mile, and has a base price of $139,000. Most of you who listen to this are never going to buy a $139,000 car, including me, which is absolutely crazy to be picking a car of the year that cost over hundred grand. That would be like picking uh, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or some uh, you know, low production exotic and saying it's the car of the year. Come on, man. We're, we're not going to buy that. But hey, look, it's what they chose. Um, you know, whether you like electrification or not, it, it's, it is on its way. Um, this car had a 451 to 520 mile range, which is, is getting better. It's still not great uh, as far as, um, you know, if you had to take a long trip in one of these things. Um, if you go online, this is where it gets a little slimy and a little weird. If you go online, there's a lot of um, touting of what the next... Uh, Lucid Air Dream version P, version R, there's all kinds of different ones, saying that it, it, it's going to have, uh, you know, 1,111 horsepower, 13, you know, 1,300 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, you're going to be able to quick charge this thing, which you're going to get 300 miles in 20 minutes. And again, it, it, it gives out, uh, it touts a lot for a company that has only put up 577 units which is a little strange. So their target for 2022, what they're saying is they want to be able to produce 20,000 units worldwide. So to put that into perspective, this year in 2021, the Ford Motor Company, all of you know the Ford Motor Company, has delivered just shy of 19,000 vehicles in 2021. So we are putting our Motor Trend Car of the Year, who has produced 577 this year and hopes to produce 20,000, almost more than Ford has, with way less uh, resources than Ford, and hoping to put out this so that people are going to buy it. I'm just, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about this, you know, uh, you know. At me on Instagram, let me know what you kind of feel about it. But for me, I just don't see it. And this is where it's going to get a little tinfoily, right? So, Mother, Mother, the Motor Trend Truck of the Year was the Rivian R1T. If you've never heard of the Rivian R1T, it's the same exact thing as the Lucid Air. They've only produced about 150 of these trucks. And if you've seen one on the road, you're going to be one of the few. They're, they're a very rare bird. But they had an RT1 launch edition that they tested, uh, very similar numbers, 835 horsepower, 908 foot-pounds of torque, 0 to 60 in 3.1 seconds, 11.6 in the quarter mile, with a base price of about 75 grand, 314 miles of uh, range out of this truck. Again, if you've never heard of it, it seems to be more of a uh, trader. Uh, when I say trader, I mean like stock market, uh, you know, love for this truck right here and for this company, thinking they're going to be the next Tesla and the next ones to kind of blow it up. But again, you've only had 150 of these things produced and you gave it the truck of the year. I'll let that sink in for a little while. Think about it in your car. If a company produced 150 units of something and they won the car of the year, what would you think about that?
I think it's a little wild. But, um, you know, it is more than what Tesla has produced in the, uh, what was it, the Cybertruck. So, uh, you know, everyone who has put in a, uh, a deposit on the Cybertruck, I'd like to know where your Cybertruck is. Uh, I still haven't seen it. So I will give kudos to Rivian. They've produced more uh, Rivian RT, R1Ts than, uh, than Tesla has uh, Cybertrucks. So good for them. But uh, by the end of the year, they're hoping to produce uh, 1,200. I think they're going to fall short as they've only produced 150. Um, by 2022, they are touting they want to make 200,000 vehicles. I'll say that again. 200,000 vehicles by 2022. I just don't see it. They are building a very nice facility out in Normal, Illinois. I go out there for work quite a bit, and I have seen the facility. It is very large, but I just don't see them producing that many. Again, Ford delivered just shy of 19,000 vehicles this year alone, and they want to get up to 200,000. Um, if you get on, uh, if, if you are a, a trader like myself, uh, if you get on there and you see the net, work, uh, net worth of Rivian, it's worth more than Ford right now. I'll stop again and let that sink in. Rivian, who has produced 150 trucks, is worth more than Ford as far as the stock market goes. Anyways, so we'll, uh, we'll keep moving on from there, but uh, this is where I wanted to get a little conspiracy theory. So, Motor Trend Truck of the Year, Motor Trend Car of the Year, Lucid, Lucid Air, Rivian, R1T, both electric, both, uh, you know, haven't produced too many of them. A little strange to, to pick one of these newer companies like this. But Motor Trend is located in El Segundo, California. Uh, if you remember, I also posted this up on Instagram. Uh, they outlawed all small engines, including generator, generators in California. So if you put the two and two together, you have a, a California company that uh, definitely wants uh, electrification of everything uh, in California. And you have two small companies that are producing electric cars. We put two and two together. I mean... It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, uh, are they pushing an agenda? I don't know. Uh, I, I know that on this podcast, I said I would never get political on it, and I'm not saying I'm getting political on it. I don't think this is really a, a political take. I hope it's not. But to have a company in California that likes the electrification agenda and to have two cars that have only produced a combined 600 and maybe 700 units to win car and truck of the year is just a little strange to me. And uh, I'll kind of leave it at that one right there. On the same note, I know a lot of people have uh, talked to me, you know, just, uh, you know, over the internet. Uh, I know a lot of my friends talk to me as well. They want to know about autonomous driving. If you want to know my thoughts on autonomous driving, I, I want you to get on the Smoking Tire podcast uh, Matt Farah is very good on there. Uh, he had a, a lady named Missy Cummings on there, and she is a guru as far as AI and self-driving cars. Get on there, listen to that, and you'll find out real quick that uh, autonomous, full autonomous driving is not coming anytime soon. So anyone who is touting full autonomous driving, including Tesla, uh, I, I challenge you to uh, have her in a debate. Uh, I'd like to see that. Because uh, the data that she, data points that she gave uh, really show that we are not going to get full autonomous driving anytime soon. So that's kind of my thoughts on electrification. I can't wait to talk to uh, I can't wait to talk to some of these guys in season three uh, and girls about uh, electrification and how they kind of feel about it. Uh, I feel like there's definitely a place for it. 
There's not a place for it in my life right now. I drive too much every single day. I know a lot of you that listen to this drive uh, drive pretty far as well. So, uh, you know, for me, it just doesn't have the range and the practicality right now uh, for me to go electric. At some point, will it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I'm not going to put uh, all my eggs in the, uh, the Lucid or the uh, Rivian basket at this point. So, I'm not saying that I hate electrification. I'm just saying it's just not there right now. So, but uh, that's about it on that. Um, to recap, season two, uh, wanted to uh, just kind of run through, uh, you know, a couple of the episodes. Well, actually, all the episodes, and uh, just give you an update on where the guys are. Again, I talked to everybody who's been on on the podcast. Uh, you know, we exchange, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of messages from time to time. Some more than others, but I always keep up with them. Uh, I always want to know what's going on with the cars that, that have been on here. So uh, we'll just kind of run through a few of these. Um, season two started with, uh, Mr. Joe Fisher and Chris Dukowitz. So if you remember, they had the Tacoma race trucks. Uh, this was awesome. I, I thought these, uh, these trucks were really amazing and really it showed that the, uh, the racing community really comes together. Uh, this podcast did very well. Uh, I got a lot of racers that, uh, that emailed me and said, uh, they really liked the, the grassroots style, uh, that these guys were doing. Uh, if you remember the gray case swap truck. Uh, that was actually owned by Chris. He uh, uh, sold that, actually. So that gray K-Swap truck is actually in Guam now. So if you get on Instagram and look up PlayDirty underscore Guam, he now owns this in Guam and is racing it out there. So uh, I kind of knew this after the podcast. They told me uh, where that truck was going to go. I kept it a, a secret because I really didn't want to blow up anybody's spot. Uh, apparently, over in Guam... Uh, Tacoma trucks are like, uh, they're like the thing to have over there. I, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, it. It's just kind of a strange thing. Uh, but apparently these are like the hot item uh, over in Guam. So go check out uh, Play Dirty Guam. He has some really good videos of him running that truck out there right now. They're dialing it in because they don't have a high octane uh, fuel out there. So uh, he's really been slowly dialing that thing in to make it the fastest Tacoma uh, and one of the fastest cars on that island over there. So go check it out. The black truck, uh, it's been under wraps. Uh, Joe has been, uh, you know, with his uh, family. He just had a new baby. So he's really been focusing on that. Um, you know, we spoke a lot about that one. That is the, uh, the 2JZ uh, turbocharged truck. Uh, I hope he's going to have it ready for next year. I'm sure he will. Uh, I don't know if he's going to race it or not. Uh, I hope he does because I, I really enjoy that truck. But uh, both of them have been working in their new shop down there in Uniontown and really getting ready for that 2022 season and actually building some trucks for some other people and cars. So uh, go check those guys out. Uh, if you didn't listen to that episode, go, go back and listen to it. It was really good. I really liked those guys. Uh, the next episode was Nova Nate. Uh, so Nova Nate is probably the guy, uh, one of the guys I talked to the most. Uh, he's awesome, man. But he had the, the 1972 Nova. He's actually out in Montana now protecting our border. So if you remember, we were talking uh, during the podcast about him going to be a border agent. He is now. He's out in Montana. Uh, the Nova still sits in Chicago uh, over there. Uh, however, he did go out and uh, buy one of his dream trucks, a, a 6.2 liter GMC Denali. So he does have a dream truck out there. If you get on his, uh, his Instagram, he always has some really great pictures from Montana. Uh, like he lives in just like really beautiful country right now and he's such a good dude he's protecting the border uh man he just loves america he loves cars he loves old stuff new stuff 
uh, just really anything. So go check him out, man. That was a great uh, episode. Like I said, I talked to Nate a lot. He sends me a lot of messages. We, we go back and forth a lot. Uh, man, I, I just, I'm very happy to call him a friend, man. He's, he's just a really good dude. So check that one out. Uh, the next one was John Kokenda, and uh, if you remember, he had a 2008 GTI, but that really wasn't the focus of the uh, entire podcast. Really, we focused in on his airbrushing and painting skills because uh, he had done a lot of cars and a lot of parts and, and things like that. He is uh, not the valve cover guy, if you remember in the TJ Hanna episode. He doesn't want to be known as the valve cover guy, but he makes some great valve covers, man. So, uh, But he's still painting. Uh, in fact, his business has really taken off. Like... He, uh, he's one of the guys I talk to a lot as well. Um, you know, we go kind of go back and forth. He's saying that he's been busier than ever, which is great. I think that's really what he wants to do. He wants to be able to quit his job and do painting full time. And I think he's starting to get to that critical point where, uh, I think he has enough business to kind of do it. So, uh, I really hope his business takes off. Uh, I, I love the guy. He's, he's such a good guy in the community down here in PA. Uh, a lot of people know him. A lot of people have gotten a lot of good stuff by him. So uh, he right now he's actually painting an 18-wheeler. So if you get on his Instagram, uh, he's actually painting an 18-wheeler that I'm sure he'll be um, uh, revealing here pretty soon. But he's actually sent me some pictures of it. Man, it's crazy. It, it, it's absolutely nuts. So he's he's doing these big projects. He's doing small projects and uh, everything alike. So um, I just know the dude is busy all the time because that's what he always tells me. Uh, next after that was uh, Nick Mangretta and the 1965 C10. So I don't know if you remember, but when we spoke on it, he was like, yeah, I'd like to LS swap it and everything. Well, he did, folks. Uh, he's got an LS. Uh, he's got the old, the old uh, engine out, the new engine in, uh, and that 65 C10, which was awesome. Uh, I can't wait to see it in 2022 because it's going to be one of those trucks that's going to ride around a lot. If you remember, Kokenda actually did the paint on the car. So that's where these two kind of link up. Uh, I know they're, they're really good buddies. Um, and if you remember as well, he had an M3 that was sitting in the, uh, in the garage that we really talked. We kind of brushed over. And it was something that he really wanted to get rid of. Well, he did. He ended up selling the M3 and bought another M3. Strange, I know, but it's a really nice. It is a really nice BMW. Uh, I know he posted some pictures up. Uh, I know he'll probably be driving that thing around a lot next year. I think his daughter refers to it as the uh, race car, which most young kids do if a car is fast. So, uh, really happy for that guy to have that LS back in there and um, have a more reliable car that he can drive around uh, for uh, summertime next year. Next up after that was Jason Gorman. He had a 1971 Buick Skylark. I still, to this day, get all kinds of uh, messages from people going, man, that is a really cool Buick. I've never seen one on air like that. I really like the colors. I really like everything that was going on with it. And uh, I, I have to agree, it was one of the more unique cars and one of the more unique muscle cars that uh, is riding around Pennsylvania and actually the United States right now. So. Uh, he did start painting again, which is awesome. He uh, created his own Instagram now for uh, paint. If you remember, he was waiting on a tra uh, heart transplant, and he still is. However, he's been feeling really good and uh, doing some uh, some small painting jobs. You can find him at Gorman underscore custom underscore paints now. Um, the guy is awesome. Uh, I... I I hope he gets that heart transplant here pretty soon because I know once that's done, he's really going to take off and, and go pretty crazy in the, uh, the custom paint world. So, um, again, the Skylark is still one of those episodes that gets a lot, of, uh, a lot of hits and a lot of people messaging me saying that, man, that was a really unique car. So I uh, really enjoyed that one. 
Next up was uh, Steve Simpson with his uh, 2006 RSX. Uh, if you remember, he was uh, also hosted us for TJ Hanna's um, uh, TJ Hanna's episode in his uh, garage. But he's continuing to upgrade the RSX. Uh, he's got actually new engine internals that he's putting in right now for more power. He, and he got some uh, pretty rare Mugen seats that he's going to put in there for next year. So uh, the car is never a finished deal. Is he going to cut into those uh, those beautiful fenders, those original fenders, and put a wide body kit on? I don't know. But if he does, I'm going to be there, and we're all going to have a good laugh about it because I know he is such on the fence about it right now. So, And then uh, also, I'm trying to steal him and get him into the oil field. So, uh, you know, I know he does a lot of work, and he's a master mechanic. I'd like to have him in oil field as a master mechanic for some of our diesel stuff. So... Uh, I've been talking to him a little bit about it, um, you know, but uh, I think he's going to stick with uh, being a master mechanic over there uh, with Infinity Nissan and uh, work, continue to work on those Acuras and Hondas. Um, Mike Gombos, he had the 1991 Gallant. I don't know if you remember, but it was actually the fastest one in the world. So uh, the very fastest Gallant in the world is uh, out there still being tuned by him. Uh, he's working on it for next year. Uh, he actually bought another Gallant from uh, a buddy of his. Uh, the Gallant was named Heavy Strike, and it was going to be parted out. However, uh, Mike decided, hey, man, I didn't want to part out another uh, Gallant. I want to see him continue to be on the road. So he bought it, and uh, now it's running and driving, and uh, he's driving that thing around. I know we've had some freak warm days around here in November, December, and I think he's been out kind of tuning it and uh, and really refining that thing to a, be almost a daily driver for him. So uh, it's a really nice car. Get online. Check him out. Uh, he continues to tune those high horsepower cars. If you remember, his uh, Gumby tune is uh, pretty well known around the uh, around the Pittsburgh area. So uh, go online, check him out. Next one after that was Chris Driscoll. He had that 1959 Apache. So after we were done with the podcast, and I know, and I know a lot of, a lot of you really like that truck because it got a really a lot of really good um, messages from it. Uh, he hinted at actually selling it uh, after we were done. Um, thankfully, he has not done that yet. Uh, he just took it in for some service, got everything running running just right, uh, the yearly yearly deal that you take in, um, and he hasn't sold it yet. So I'm hoping he's going to hold on to it a little bit longer. He was going to be a part of the evil episode that we just had. Uh, however, he couldn't get away, um, but I really wanted to ask him uh, how that whole hill deal was going. But he did hook me up with the evil guys. Um, and uh, which we'll talk about their episode, but I know uh, he wanted he wants to cruise with me once I get my uh, my truck up here really bad. So uh, and I really want to cruise with him as well to have those two uh, 59 Apaches sitting next to each other. So uh, Chris, uh, he's a great follow on Instagram. Uh, he's a plumber and he always has some really good uh, some plumber jokes and some really good uh, pictures of travesties that have happened in a bathroom. And we'll just put it that way. Uh, after that, we did uh, my buddy Boji with uh, those crazy car prices. Let me tell you, folks, they're still insane. They're still nuts. I don't know how any of you are buying and selling cars right now because they're crazy. And actually, after that uh, episode, it kind of talked TJ Hanna into uh, potentially selling his car, uh, which we'll get to. Um, but all the crazy prices, when I originally talked to, to TJ, I told him about him, and he said, there's no way. After he heard the episode and did a little research, he was like, Wow, maybe I should sell mine right now. So, uh, but we'll get a, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, C.J. Hines was after that with that weird 1967 Volkswagen Buggy. Uh, it's really the only one I've ever seen on air like that, which was really cool. Uh, right after the show, 
Um, and I know when we were talking on the show, he was having some motor issues. Right after the show, he actually blew it out. So uh, that was like his next post a couple days later was taking the motor apart, replacing everything, dialing it in. Uh, it is back on the road. It is still running. He drives it. Uh, he has plenty of Instagram posts with him uh, on it. And uh, I don't know if I'm blowing up his spot or uh, if he's going to announce it. I might be blowing up his spot, but I will either way. Uh, he's actually a part of Evil now. So if you remember the Evil episode, Every Vehicle is Low. Uh, he's now a part of those guys. So he's going to be cruising with those guys all around. They're awesome dudes in this Western PA region. Uh, I'm glad that he got, uh, got to be a part of those guys. After that was uh, TJ Hanna, which we talked about. He had that 2000 Civic SI. So here's the weird part about this episode. You would think a 2000 Honda Civic SI would uh, be, uh, you know, pretty good. It would do some decent numbers. It's actually the highest rated podcast that we did um, due to a couple things. One, I, I, 2000 Civic SIs are awesome right now. Uh, two, TJ was a great guy. Uh, you know, just talking to him, he was funny. I think it was a really funny episode. Three, right after this, uh, the rapper Nelly actually picked up and uh, said that he listened to the episode and actually posted it on his Instagram, and immediately it just went crazy. So uh, shout out to Rapper Nelly. If you're listening to this right now, hey man, if you want to be on the podcast, I know you had some really great GM cars back in the day. Uh, I'm sure you still have some great muscle cars right now with the big rims on them. I'd love to do a podcast with you. But uh, TJ, we had a really great time on there, drink some good beers. Probably the best beer I had all year was on that one. Uh, is he going to sell it? He was thinking about it. You heard it on the podcast. He was asking around. Uh, and like I said, he after he heard some crazy prices that some of these really nice Civics were going for, he really wanted to sell the thing. So he hasn't sold it yet. Um, you know, I'll be catching up with him, I'm sure, here in the next few weeks uh, because we have some stuff planned uh, around the area and there's some, some, uh, some big uh, shows coming up. So I'd like to get a little more, uh, little more, on, little more dirt on it. But he's a good dude. Uh, get online. He does uh, like some little mini pizza reviews of uh, Pittsburgh pizzas around here. So uh, if, you, if you know him, you know he's a, a big enthusiast of, uh, of pizzas and beers. So go check him out. Uh, next after that was Marvin Salazar and those pair of 1989 BMWs. Uh, the one being the drift car that's pretty well known around the world. But him and his brother are still cruising around. Uh, they just did a, a Concorde with a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of older cars where they did a rally uh, from Houston to Austin, I believe it was, uh, in these really, really old cars. Uh, you know, they were in a convertible, which uh, Texas in a convertible in November, December is a little iffy because it could be cold and rainy or it could be extremely nice. But it looked like they had a really great time. Uh, he has found some uh, really hard-to-find uh, car parts on there. Uh, that uh, he's putting together for that 89 that's going to be going to the Concorde. So it looks like that car is going to be done for that Concorde Elegant, and he is going to take that thing out to, uh, to California. So uh, I, hope he, uh, I hope he was serious about uh, having us out there for the Concorde Elegant because I would love to go out there and uh, chill out and see those, uh, that BMW out there. So. And then uh, last was uh, Nick Barco uh, in the Evil Club. Uh, man, we had such a good time during that podcast. I hope you kind of got the sense of, you know, we were in this, you know, really nice garage uh, with, you know, just some guys hanging out. And it's really, you know, what shop talk should be, right? Uh, but the guys were awesome. I've gotten so many, I mean, a lot of messages uh, on how great that they set up that car club. 
how much they wanted to set up something very similar to that. And actually, a couple of buddies of mine from Texas have said they wanted to open up a chapter of the Evil Car Club down there. So, Nick, I got to get with you. I got to see if you're cool with some Texas guys being a part of Evil uh, because they really wanted to be a part of it. And uh, they know you guys were, were really cool and uh, really fun. Uh, and like I said, I mean, you've, I've had what? You know, Chris, CJ, and, uh, and yourself on there, and Dave. Uh, you know, I think you've, uh, you've been the most, uh, talked about car club on the podcast so far. So, um, man, I really appreciate those guys going out. I'm definitely going to cruise with them once my Apache gets up here. Uh, you know, like I said, they, they reach out to me a lot and, uh, man, I just love those guys. It was just really fun to sit down, have a beer with them and, uh, really talk old cars, new cars and, uh, about how old we were getting. So, um, and that's really it. Uh, you know, we did the F1 wrap up uh, with me and Boji calling that last uh, that last lap. Uh, I really don't call that an episode. I really didn't want to call it an episode. Uh, and I think there's going to be more of those sprinkled in for uh, season, uh, season three. Um, you know, next year I really want to push a lot of a lot more local guys around here uh, in Pittsburgh as well as in Texas, Ohio, West Virginia. Uh, Philly, some of these places around here, these guys who are supporting uh, a lot of the industry and working on a lot of the cars. Um, you know, I kind of got away from, uh, you know, uh, pushing uh, my buddy John Kelly and Guardians Angels. I'd like to get back to that. Please go check them out. You know, they give service dogs. My buddy John was, was going to be here for the F1 race. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, however, uh, his daughter got sick and was puking. And uh, if you uh, know anybody who has a puking daughter, you know you're not going to leave with your wife sitting there. So, um, but get online, check out Guardians Angels. Uh, I got a little lazy with the intros. I really needed to get stuff out because of the hosting service and how long it took to get things out. So, with the new hosting service come up, uh, you know, I'm going to be pushing those guys. They don't pay me, I don't get paid by them. I just think it's a really great organization. I, they do a lot for our veterans. Uh, you know, like I said, my buddy John was, you know, my college roommate. And to see what he did, in, uh, you know, over in Iraq as a tank commander and come back and, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, some, you know, that service dog with him, uh, it really brings me uh, great joy. Um, it's just a great organization. And then last is uh, James Bendel with Help Hard. Uh, kind of got away from that as well, but he's still doing Help Hard. He's doing a lot for Washington County. His coffee shop has absolutely blown up uh, to the point where now he's kind of thinking this is his out for the oil field. Uh, he may just be slinging coffee from now on and uh, working on his organization to help hard. But get on there and look that up. It's on the website. I, I keep their, their two links at the bottom permanently because I love those two organizations. They're both uh, veteran-oriented. Uh, uh, they really help a lot of guys uh, around each of the communities, and uh, I just love those two guys, so it's awesome. So... Season three, you're going to get more of it like a magazine. Again, this is when I started this whole deal. I wanted the podcast to be like a magazine where you got a beginning, you got a couple of features, and then you got a lot of supporting services. So maybe some of these 15, 30-minute sit-down discussions about guys who do paint, body, repair, uh, and really push that and uh, see if we can do some technical things like uh, how to airbrush some items maybe with John Kokenda. So again, it's going to go more of a magazine format where... You, you know, you can go and say, oh, I, li I just want to read, you know, this little 30-minute deal or I would want to read a big full feature. So we're going to do a little bit of that uh, uh, next year. So I'm really excited about it. There is going to be some shorter segments. Like I said, we're still going to have the full features. Uh, next year, I promise we're going to have our first girl on the podcast. Um, 
shout out to BSX Nova. We were supposed to get together and do this. She's in, in New Jersey. Uh, however, I got COVID and she got busy, but we are definitely going to get together. We're going to have the first woman on the podcast. She is a complete beast. I can't wait to talk to her. Um, for the uh, for next year, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have some really uh, some really good guests on. I know my buddy Marco is going to kick the thing off. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go meet with him right before New Year's. We're going to do an episode, and um, you know, there's a couple other guys down there as well. So, really looking forward to it. Thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. I, I can't say it enough. I think it's very strange that uh, just something as a hobby has turned into something that's a little bit bigger. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm on any big national level or anything like that, but just to have thousands of people listening to each episode every time is uh, absolutely crazy to me. Um, If you like the podcast, again, go on there, rate it, review it. If you don't like it, rate it, review it. Um, There's going to be a YouTube channel that I'm going to be putting out. I already got the, the naming rights to it. Uh, so you're going to be able to get some video. Uh, I'm going to try to do that next year, but more than likely season four will probably be more of a video oriented and you'll get a little bit more uh, of that. But tell your friends about it. Uh, I just want to thank you so much. I, I thank everybody who goes out there and really uh, you know, tells people to go listen to the podcast because that's really how it grows. I don't do a whole lot of advertising. Uh, I don't want to pay to be on someone else's podcast to uh, advertise for this. Uh, I just really like uh, hanging out with the, the guys who make this whole industry and this whole hobby, what it is. Uh, And again, I just thank you so much for everybody. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone. I'm going to take a little break between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, You'll probably see the first episode around mid-January. I got a lot of work to do in the oil field side of the business. And, um, you know, again, this is a hobby of mine. So I'm going to try to get three or four episodes built up that way. Uh, The first quarter of next year, we'll have plenty of content. And, uh, you know, while I travel... You know, from here to Texas to Colorado to, you know, Oklahoma, uh, we'll be able to keep the podcast going. But thank you so much. Thank you to my wife. Thank you for letting me out of the house uh, once every few weeks and uh, allowing to drink some beers with these guys and allowing me to come home late. Uh, And uh, we will see you in season three. Thank you so much.